0: chapter 10, verse 35. Here's what it says. It says, Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, Well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and one the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. For it is for those whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And the great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. For whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We pray you speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated this morning. One more time, turn to somebody and tell them good morning. We are glad that you are here. If you are brand new, uh, we just want you to be a part of our church family and be welcome uh, this morning. But we are so, so excited about what God is doing. Last Sunday, if you were here, if not, you can go catch up on YouTube or on our church app. Uh, We started a brand new series uh, entitled A Heart for the House. And last week we talked about, who can tell me, who can tell me what the title of the message was last week? Come on, who wants brownie points? Y'all are losing me this morning. Who is it? We are family. Don't you remember? All right, man. I got to preach better. Praise the Lord. We are family. Well, I'm going to endeavor for you to remember this sermon today. We are family. And what did I talk about? I talked about going on 23andMe and finding out that what? I'm white, white. 98.7% Northern European. And talked about how um, I was able to connect one of my long-lost family members who was adopted at birth who is searching for the last 40-something years for her biological family. And I talked about how all of us have a desire to be a part of a tribe, to be a part of a family. And so we talked about how the body of Christ is a family. And that if you are a widow and you don't have a family, you can find one in the body of Christ. If you've lost a mom and and that saddens you, you can find a mom in the body of Christ. If your dad was absentee and he wasn't at home, you can find a, a, a person to fill that void in the bottom of Christ. And if you don't have a sibling, if you're an only sibling or your sibling has died, guess what? We are all brothers and sisters in the Lord, according to Jesus and the Apostle Paul. So... Anyway, we talked about the importance of family. Everybody say family. You've got to be connected to the body of Christ. And so that's what we were talking about this week, uh, last week. But this week, I want to talk to you about something totally different on a totally different scale. This morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of serving. But I've entitled this message this morning, The Way Up Is Down. The Way Up Is Down. Now, I got a picture on the screen. And I want to ask all of you a question. Do you know who this man is? Does anybody know who this man is? It's Dave. Who is it? It's Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas, go ahead to the next one, is the founder of Wendy's. Dave died several years ago, but he was a multimillionaire. He literally started at the bottom and came up to the top, right? Dave was an awesome guy. Thank you, Trey. You can go ahead and come put that right here. But Dave was an awesome guy. Dave started actually working for Colonel Sanders in KFC. I don't know if you know that or not, but Dave started working for Colonel Sanders at KFC. And then he didn't make the cut after running a couple of his own stores, so he was let go. And Dave decided he wanted to take what he had learned in his business And what did Dave do? Dave applied a business model and started what we know today as Wendy's, the square hamburger, the one that people really like, and the Frosties. Anybody like the Frosties? How many of you believe we need a Wendy's? Amen. Somebody needs to show up to a city council meeting and say, we need a Wendy's. Obviously, we're not getting an IHOP, but we do need a Wendy's. And uh, so, inside joke there. But uh, it's amazing what Dave did in his life. And there was something that was a very... Very trademarkish about Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas, to this day, if you go into a lot of Wendy's and you the back rooms, you find a framed picture of Dave with a red apron on holding a mop. And Dave was asked, he was interviewed one day, and they asked Dave, they said, Why why do you hold the picture of this mop? They said, "Why Why do you have that in the back of your store? He said, Because I never want my employees to forget what it means to work your way to the top. You don't start at the top. The way up is down. And Dave later said in that interview, he said, you know, long before I ever went to college, I got my MBA. Now, how many of you know what an MBA is? Raise your hand. Does anybody have an MBA? Raise your hand. A master's in business administration. But Dave said, you know, long before I ever went to college, I got my MBA. And he said, I'm not talking about... A masters of business administration he said I'm talking about a mop bucket attitude a mop bucket attitude he said I, I was never afraid to find a need see it and make sure it got done I never was afraid to get down in the dirt and the mud of stuff circumstances and situations and get busy I was never one to say that's not my job come on somebody that's not my job Dave said, I want my employees and my franchise owners to know this, that with a little elbow grease and a hard work, anything is possible. Now, what do I have to say about that? There were some people this weekend who helped us with the Mock Bucket Attitude. Can I see some of these pictures? Over the last this weekend, we had what we call Serve Saturday. We had a sign-up sheet. We encouraged people to get involved and come serve our community. And, and let me tell you what happened. I saw uh, some deacons. I saw some church leaders. I saw some teenagers. I saw some senior adults go to the pregnancy center, the hospital. I seen them go to the Hope Center and say, you know what? We want to love on our community. We want to pick up a mop, a rake, whatever we got to do, and get busy. Amen. I'm gonna tell you- you something. You can build the kingdom of God with people like that. Come on, you missed a good place to say amen this morning. You can build the kingdom of God with people like that. The problem is there are not enough people in the church today that want to pick up a mop. There are not enough people who want to put on an old t-shirt, an old pair of shoes and get dirty. And I want you to know something. We never get to a place in our lives where we're too old, we're too young, or we have too much experience to get our hands dirty for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Look at somebody and say, do you have an attitude? Do you have a mop bucket attitude? I'll tell you, I never liked mopping. When I was 13, 14 years old, my dad ran a grocery store. He's since moved on for that profession, but he did it for about 20 years, and and as a 13, 14-year-old, you know, I wasn't legally able to work, but Dad would pay me a little bit of cash under the table. And, and part of those responsibilities that I had as a, as a young person was there were three things specifically that I had to do. I had to pick up the shopping carts out of the parking lot, or if you're from a different part of the United States, you call them what? Buggies, okay? You had to pick them up out of the parking lot. Uh, and then I had to bag ice. Bag ice, you know that stuff doesn't come from a manufacturer that way, right? They send you bags and you have an ice machine and you bag the ice. Then the third thing was, at the end of closing, I had to mop the store. And when you come into a grocery store at the beginning of the day, all of the counters should have been faced and all of the bad products from the meat department should have been pulled all of the produce aisle is scanned. Make sure nothing's wilted. And uh, the night before, the, the cleaning crew had come in and mopped everything and made it clean and shiny. I want you to know something, though. By the end of closing, it doesn't look like that anymore. Especially on the 1st and 15th of the month when people get paid and they come in there and they act a fool. There are tracks everywhere from the the, the, the rubber on the tires. There are all kind of stuff. And so there were many nights at 9 o'clock, from 9 to about 10.30, I was mopping that floor like that because my dad said a first impression always makes a difference when people come into the store in the morning what do you want them to see do you want them to see some kind of crusted over stale experience where it looks like it's been run over by a circus or do you want people to have a good impression when they come inside and that instilled in me that whatever we do we have to do it with excellence We've got to do it with the best of our ability. We've got to do it with everything that God has on the inside of us. But the problem is, and I want you to hear me this morning, statistically speaking, George Barna did a research panel, and here's what he found out. In the average church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Oh, let me say it again. 20% 20% of the people do 80% of the work, which means in the average church, there are more consumers than there are contributors. Did you hear what I said this morning? We're talking about having a heart for the house. See, my, my goal this morning is to prod you enough that you have in your mind that this isn't just the church I go to. This is my church. Come on somebody, this isn't just the place I come and receive, this is the place I come and I give. This is the place where I share the gifts and the things that God has put in my life. This is the place where I can come and use the talents and the resources that God has entrusted to me for the advancement of the kingdom of God. My question this morning is this, do you have a mop? And do you have a bucket? I'm not speaking literally this morning of a literal mop and a literal bucket, but your talent may be different. So there's so many people in this world who said, I don't have time, Pastor. I don't have time. You got time for baseball? Come on, you got time for golf, you got time for fishing, you got time. We just want a little bit of time. Come on, somebody. Just a little bit of time that you give all your other things in this life. We just want a little bit because I just have a, a, a small suspicion today that the kingdom of God might be a little bit more important than some of all this other stuff. Amen. Are you with me this morning? And I believe that God's people have to pick up a mop and be willing to get sweaty, nasty, and dirty for the kingdom of God. God just wants us to work a little bit. And see, for most people, work is a four-letter curse word. They're, they're just afraid of work. They don't, they don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to do those type of things that would inconvenience their life. Here you go, Trey, you can take that back. But uh, they don't want to do those things to inconvenience their life. But they just want to keep on, keep on. And like I said, the thing is, is that there are more consumers than there are contributors. Now I want to show you this passage in Mark chapter 10. Now that I got your attention and I want you to listen to me. There are two disciples in particular that this scripture is talking about. We've got James and John, two brothers, the sons of Zebedee. There are Jesus' disciples. They've walked with him and they said, Lord, we we just we we want you to do, we want you to do what whatever we ask of you. You know, there are a lot of people like that. Say, God, we, we want you to do what we want you to do. And Jesus said, Okay, what do you want? He said, Well, when you come into your kingdom, you know, I, there's a spot on the right hand and there's a spot on the left hand. They said, We just want you to make us a spot of prominence. And authority. And Jesus said to them, "Well, first of all, that's not for me to do. That's not my position. That's something for the Father, who He has uh, pre- preset to put in those positions." But then He began to talk about the Gentiles. He began to talk about those who were outside of the covenant. He says, "Those who are in authority, they lord it and they exercise authority over those they rule. They're taskmasters." But what did Jesus say? He said, He said. but here's what I want to tell you. And he told the ten who were listening, who were indignant at their statement. He said, here's what you've got to understand. He that wants to be greatest has to serve. He among you that desires to become great shall become your servant. And moreover, whoever desires to be first shall be slaves of all. Notice verse 45. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, what Jesus was trying to say, guys, you're seeking for an elevated position. He says, but here's what I need you to know. The way up is not up the ladder that you think of. The way up is down with a servant's towel. If you want to be like Christ, you have to be willing to serve others. Oh, hallelujah, help me, Jesus. But the truth is, disciples had an entitlement mentality. They had an entitlement mentality. Lord, we deserve, we've been with you all this time, we deserve to be in this spot. Can I tell you, none of us deserve anything but a devil's hell isolated from God for all of eternity. For even our righteousness on its best days is like a filthy rag. We don't deserve anything, but, but God gives us mercy, and God gives us grace. And if he has saved us, if he has called us, if he has delivered us, the least thing we can do is offer our life up as a service to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. There's work for us to do. I didn't have this picture thrown up on the screen, but some years back, I remember whenever they were trying to recruit people to come into the military, even when I was a, a high schooler. A lot of my friends signed up to the National Guard and ended up having to go to Iraq. But there were signs up at the post office. There were signs up in commercials on TV with Uncle Sam pointing his finger at the television and at the, at the audience and saying, Uncle Sam is just looking for a few good men. Well, can I tell you something? God is looking for a few good men and women. He's looking for somebody to use their talent, to use their gift, to use their resource, to advance the kingdom of God. I think sometimes so many of us don't realize what it takes to have a church like this. Or to have a church experience like this. Do you know that if somebody passes in our church family... Connected to our church family, we provide for them a meal. But do you know when you sit down at those tables, they're nicely decorated? Miss Eileen and others roll that silverware. What's she doing? She's got her mop bucket. She's using her gift. See, she may not can do a lot. See, a lot of people use age for an excuse. But let me tell you something. All of us can do something. People, this morning, we sang these songs. You saw the slides go from slide to slide to slide. That's not automatic. Somebody had to push the button. Many of you were greeted by somebody when you walked in the door this morning. Somebody with a smile, hopefully bigger than a Walmart smile, but a smile, amen. They greeted with a big smile. And guess what? Somebody had to use their gifts to do that. This morning, there were some classes that went on. Somebody had to use their gift. There are people who volunteer all over the place. Can you imagine if Pastor Sally had to finagle all of those kids by herself? I mean, one, two, almost gave me a That's why I don't have any hair. But uh, I'm I'm just telling you, I can't imagine having that many. But guess what? Rodney and Shonda and others step up and use their gift. What are they doing? They have a mop bucket. They're trying to get their hands dirty. They're trying to get busy with it. You notice that the sound was well mixed. There was somebody using their gift. There's somebody using their mop bucket. I could go on and on and on this morning. The question is, what do you have to offer God? I can promise you today, if you have breath, we can find something for you to do. We can find something for you to do. Because God wants all of us to participate in the plan. Because we have a heart for our house. We have a heart for this church. We have a heart for our city. We have a heart for the organizations in our city. And it's so great to see all of the wonderful things that God is doing. And so this morning, I want to just give you a couple of things in, from our text and, f- and from some other places that I think will, will actually help us. And as you're looking over there in your Bible, we're going to be looking at Mark 10 again. But I want to tell you this, instead of saying something's not good, you should be asking yourself, how can I make it better? Babe Ruth said this. He said, the the loudest complaints always come from the cheapest seats. That's good preaching right there. Find out a lot of times the biggest complaints in the church, people who give the least and do the less. All the time. Every single time. Why? Because when you're busy, you don't have time to complain. Amen. I didn't see nobody complaining out there bagging those 50 bags of leaves at the pregnancy center. We was all sweating and grunting and getting it done. Amen. Let me tell you something. You don't have time to complain when you're busy. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Let me tell you something. Instead of saying it's not good, you should be asking ourselves, how can we make it better? If we have a heart for God's house, truly want to see our community impacted, it's going to take all of us working together everybody say all of us now let me give you a couple of reasons why first of all number one here you go here's why you need to serve number one Jesus modeled it Jesus modeled it you know when Jesus came into the earth he didn't come all high and mighty and he didn't come demanding you know this type of stuff I mean, he was God in the flesh, yes, and he was the Messiah, absolutely. But Jesus came not with a lofty crown. Jesus came with a servant's towel. He washed the feet of his disciples. He ministered to those. He got his hands dirty. He got involved in people's lives. Jesus laid down his life. Notice this, he fed people. Jesus had a big feeding the feeding of the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves Jesus, uh, the little boy gave Jesus his lunch and he blessed it and he broke it and he multiplied it and he was able to feed people he didn't just feed people but Jesus healed people he comforted the afflicted he healed the brokenhearted. he even raised the dead to life occasionally there were several things that Jesus did he healed folks, he washed their feet he served, get this even ungrateful people Jesus was at the table with Judas, and he said, one of you is a devil, and one of you will will betray me, and he even said, the one who puts his hand in the cup and in the dish, and guess what, Judas Iscariot was sitting right there, but even Jesus was nice to him too. See, ministry is not just about being nice to those who are nice to you, it's also about loving the unlovable. Because guess what? Everybody is unlovable without Jesus. And some of us, a little bit, even after, and God's still working on us. Come on, somebody. But let me tell you, none of us deserve the grace of God, but he freely gave it. Here's one that hurts. He even served those who outright rejected him. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Not. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to think about that. Absolutely crazy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus modeled it. Number two, the church needs it. I told you Uncle Sam had a picture. He said, we are looking for a few good men. Because you and I are the church, we aren't complete if we aren't all doing our part. Look up here. Look up here. Don't look at the notes. Look at me. How many of you know somebody who was paralyzed from a stroke or from an accident? You know how much of a struggle it is for that person to go about life when only half of their body wants to work? It puts a strain on the other half. Oftentimes, they have one side of their body that's atrophied. And the other half has big muscles because now one arm and one leg and one side and one half of the back is having to do what the other side was supposed to do. I wonder in the spirit what the church would look like if we really could see the imbalances that happen at times. The truth of the matter is God wants us today to be working together all parts of the body, moving and operating the way that God has designed it. We've got just show up. Old JFK, whether you liked him or not, he was a good president. Here's what JFK said, famous saying. He said, fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. That's not the mantra in most churches today. Most people say, well, what can my church do for me? What program can they give me? What, what can, they, can they help me pay my bill? Some So many people want the church to pay their bills, and they don't even tithe. Amen. I'm not talking about... Outside people, I'm talking about inside people. Everybody said, what can the church do for me? Instead of saying, what can I do for the church of Jesus Christ? How can I help? How can I get involved? How can I share the load? I would say that's a good slogan for the church, amen? Fellow Christians, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. How can you add to the vision of your church. It's important. The church needs it. I stand up here this morning no bones about it. We need volunteers. We've got people who we've got we've got two classifications of people right now. We have some people who who they said we've done it all this time and we're tired and we got other people who said, "Uh-uh, not me." We need everybody to get involved. Amen. Give a few hours of your Saturday to mow some grass. Give a few hours to to reach out to the homeless or to go to the pregnancy center or something like that to get involved, to say, you know what? I can help with the meal. I can do this. I can host a small group. I can do something. All of us need to come together and fit the pieces of our life together so that one complete picture is painted and you and I can do what it is that God has called us to do because there is a vision. Here's the question. How can you add to the vision of your church by getting involved hallelujah barna research also had did a study a while back who said this that people who are actively volunteering in their church are i believe it was nine times more likely to stay committed because they're connected to purpose and they're connected to relationships the church needs it here's the third thing you ready for this here's why you need to serve it builds character. It builds character. You know, I heard somebody the other day, we were, yesterday we were at the pregnancy center, and we were putting up leaves. I heard, I was listening, I was working, but I was listening. You know what I heard? I heard somebody say, I didn't even know this place was over here. And that's okay, I'd never been there either. But exposure is the breeding ground for Vision. If you want to do something bigger than where you are, you've got to see something bigger than you are. And, and, and a lot of times, if you can't see it, see, it's, it's, it's like faith. Whenever you see something, then you can have faith for it. And somebody said, well, I didn't even know that was over here. And guess what? Even at the end of our thing, two of our people said, you know what? I want to volunteer here on a regular basis. And they went in, and they signed up with the person. It builds character to serve. Why? Because when you serve others, it's not about yourself. You say it pushes me out of, your com- out of my comfort zone. That's the point. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We-, we need to get out of the uncomfortable and get into the uncomfortable. We need to push ourselves past the-, the-, the shallow waters of comfortability and get out to the place where we say, God, if you don't help us, we can't be helped. Serving builds character. Here's another thing. It also helps you discover and develop your gifts. Serving helps you discover and develop your gifts. I was listening to a great message yesterday on the difference between gifting and availability. There are things that all of us are gifted to do. I am not gifted To build stuff with my hands. I'm not. I've tried. I marked stuff wrong on the tape measure. I've drilled the hole in the wrong spot. But listen, that's okay. Because somebody else is gifted to do that. Give that to a Don Swanson. Give that to Rodney. Give that to somebody else. Somebody else is gifted to do that. But guess what? Just because I'm not gifted to build things with my hands does not mean I'm exempted from the process. Why? Because even though I can't do it, I can hand you the hammer that can. Come on, somebody. And so many times we refuse to serve somewhere because we say, that's not my calling, that's not my gifting, that's not what God has called me to do. But listen, when there's a vacancy, sometimes you just need availability. And in those moments, what happens? You, your character is built, and you begin to learn, you know what? Well, maybe I do like this, or maybe you find out I really don't like this. And let me tell you something, character is built when you like things and when you don't like them. It's important. It helps you develop your gifts. Here's the fourth thing. I'm closing. Somebody say thank God. Get this preacher out of here. Number four. It encourages others. When you serve, it encourages others. Listen, yesterday, I can't tell you about all the other places because I wasn't there. and just tell you where we're at. I'll I'll tell you this, when that lady saw Mr. Jerry pull up all these blowers and tools and rakes and stuff, I saw a sigh of relief on her face. (sighs) Because there were were leaves up to our eyeballs. Seriously. When when she saw all those tools come up, she just said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then she said, if y'all ever want to come back, Please do. (laughs) How many of you know that encouraged her? It encouraged her. I'm sure at the Hope Center, it encouraged. In the hospital, it encouraged. And when you serve others, it encourages others. When people can see us serving God, it can encourage both the lost and the saved. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever heard somebody sing a song and it just blessed your soul? Well, somebody had to use their gift, and you benefited from it. You benefited from it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a surgery or a bereavement, some type of death in your family, and some some old church lady or or some young family brought you a big old casserole to your house? Come on. In one of them old-timey cornware dishes? Come on, raise your hand. Can I ask you a question? Did it encourage you? Yeah, it encourages you. When you serve, it encourages others. Not only encourages those who are receiving, but it encourages those you are serving with. Anybody ever received a kind note or a letter? I've received some unkind ones before. If anybody wants to send me a kind one, that would be nice. It encourages others. It really does. It encourages others. What am I trying to say? If we're going to have a true heart for God's house we're all going to have to actively engage in service. We're all going to have to do something. Putting our hands to the plow. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. Jesus said it like this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whenever you start investing in the kingdom of God, there's an invisible cord that connects you to the vision and the purpose of God.